dance and stuff. What's happening with dance and things? What's going on? What's happening? What's going on with dance and stuff? Hi. Can you hear the echo? Oh, not really echo, but I am in a large concrete space in the form of a contactless um, apartment hotel in Austin, Texas. You ready for the song? The stars at night are big and bright, deep in the heart of Texas. Now, for those of you who grew up with um, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about. And for those of you who grew up in Texas, you'll know what I'm talking about. And it's true. The stars at night are big and bright, deep in the heart of Texas. Tonight, I sat with friends from Valley Austin on a uh, lawn outside of the theater in the dark, and we watched the gigantic orange-amber moon emerge from behind a skyscraper across the river. I mean, have you ever heard such a Texan phrase? Actually, I'm in this thing, this concrete bunker. It's huge. And um, it's my second night here. I arrived yesterday in the afternoon and I watched a tech rehearsal and then um, today I spent the morning sort of lounging around and I talked to Harriet and then I went to lunch with my friend Oliver and then I had a nap and I went swimming in the pool that's on the fifth floor. It's outside. And then I went back to the theater for the dress rehearsal. And then we had this lawn moment. I did have a feeling last night, my first night in this place, as I turned out the lights and then looked out the windows, which look north um, into kind of like the tall buildings of downtown. I thought, you know, this feels like Beijing. Feels like somehow there was like I had a China moment. Um, just something about the scale, you know, Beijing, the scale of the roads and the buildings is just so, so much more than what we're accustomed to here in the Americas and especially, you know, Europe, which is just all about trinkets. But Beijing, you know, they, they make things really big, really wide, really big. And, um, you know, I've been to China um, a few times, and one of the fascinating things about these cosmopolitan or metropolitan areas in China is that there's tons of construction, or at least during the visits um, I've made, especially in Beijing, tons of construction. The scaffolding on the buildings in um, China is made of bamboo. And you think, what? Like, how can that be? That they're building, like, I don't know, 70 stories of scaffolding out of bamboo. But, you know, bamboo is incredibly strong and flexible. And um, I think they're onto something. I'm terrified of scaffolding in New York City that's made of, um, you know, steel piping. Um, the other day I was... There was some, there's some new scaffolding on my street. And I, as I walked to the subway, 
um, one of the light fixtures that's sort of integrated into the scaffolding structure had come loose and fallen and the light part had shattered and I just thought what if you'd been underneath that so now I have like more paranoia around um, a scaffolding structure falling as I walk under it and yet I persist um, also speaking of I'm going to come back to Austin. Maybe I'll just stay on Austin for a bit. I'm in Austin, Texas doing a job for Reed and Harriet. And um, the piece is choreographed by Stephen Mills, who's the director of Bally Austin, which is uh, one of our very favorite companies to work with. And um, a hidden treasure in the heartland of America, quite frankly. Uh, They... um, Stephen was basically the first ballet director to um, employ or commission Pam Tanowitz. And um, the very first ballet company job that I ever did for Pam was at Ballet Austin. And then since then, uh, we came back and worked on another piece for her at Ballet Austin. So she's actually made two excellent dances here. Um, And they dance... Um, choreographers work exceptionally well here. They, there's a culture of um, kind of neutral approach at Ballet Austin, which I find um, extremely impressive in, in the universe of ballet companies where so often you find that there's a particular affect that comes with each ballet company um, or or the dancers in the company are so accomplished and so famous that they all come with their own um, kind of personal affect. But this company really works as a cohesive unit toward um, dancing other people's work with a ton of um, care and integrity. Anyways, thank you, Stephen Mills and Belly Austin. Stephen has made a, a dance um, to Chopin piano music and um, there are five dancers in it two men and three women we've dressed them in uh, various shades of sheer unitards with these transparent um, like micro chiffon polyester micro chiffon dresses over over top but look this fabric is a challenge. We we knew that going into it. It's just one of these fabrics that's so alluring and so beautiful in motion that you you continue the pursuit of trying to figure out how to how to what am I trying to say? How to construct it in ways that prevent it from disintegrating, from shredding. You essentially can't have any points of impact or any points of um, how do I say this? The, there's you can't have any place in the garment where there's going to be pulling. <laughs> it's almost like you you if you're going to use it as a garment, you can't touch it. You can't pull it, you can't push it, you can't rub it. It will shred, disintegrate. So anywhere you sew it is a vulnerable place. 
And we did our best to devise a method by which the whole dress is just kind of suspended from the shoulders. And we built, we built, integrated these little tool landing pads into the dresses so that there'd be a supportive place on which to attach the snaps. Cause it's certainly not the kind of fabric that you'd want to attach snaps onto. They wouldn't be there for very long. Uh, although now that I'm thinking about that, gosh, maybe that would be better because there wouldn't then be <clears throat> stitching on it through the tool. Anyways, there's no going back now. There's been some shredded dresses, some disintegration, some reconfiguring of who will and who will not wear the dresses. Luckily, it's a dance that has very minimal partnering. There's only one small duet in the middle of the dance. And it's been decided that the two male dancers won't wear the dresses, which is fine. I was just trying to lean into um, gender nonconforming dress, which is, you know, part of the interest of Reed and Harriet, but um, it just wasn't meant to be on this one because the costumes will not stand for it. Um, Oliver wore his dress tonight and then suddenly it seemed very long on one side, at which point it became clear that his right shoulder, the fabric at some point had yanked and shredded away from the snap um, on that shoulder and eventually that whole side of the garment just sort of fell off and it became a cape, which Oliver handled beautifully. But I um, quietly excused myself from the theater and went backstage because Oliver was standing near a wing and I, I just started talking to him from the wings and he, um, he didn't flinch or startle, which was great. Um, and I just spoke to his back and I was like, Oliver, so you should unsnap, you know, discreetly and let the garment fall to the floor because you're going to die from tripping on it or something. So Oliver very discreetly took the garment off and then finished the piece without it. And, you know, they, he and James, the two male dancers did dance the whole thing last night without the dresses to great effect. Um, but tonight we wanted to look at it with all the dresses. It didn't work out. It's all going to be fine. I'm only minorly disappointed because the piece still looks very beautiful. Um, it's just kind of sociologically, I would have liked for for it to be gender nonconforming. Um, but, you know, the world is not, uh, is predominantly not a gender nonconforming place. So, wow, that was so many double negatives. I don't even know where to begin. Um, so Bally Austin, Jador, uh, I leave the day after tomorrow, tomorrow's the premiere. Um, not sure what I'll do tomorrow. There's a Springs here that I've been instructed to go to. So I might go, it's in the form of an absolutely mammoth public pool, bigger than any public pool I've ever seen. And I think it's nearby. So I may, Go there, have a dip. I'd like to find an art supply store. Maybe I'll get an early-ish start tomorrow. It's already 11.16, but 
and I'm now addicted to um, his Dark Materials, which I think is based on the Golden Compass books, or maybe it's based on the His Dark Materials books. I I don't know. I I was I started watching on the plane ride to Austin uh, two days ago. I'd never seen it, nor had I watched the Golden Compass movie that um, was unsuccessfully made a few years ago with Nicole Kidman and James McAvoy. But um, I'm quite enjoying the HBO television series. Um, I don't know who the actors are. I know Andrew Scott is in it, as is, unfortunately, Liz Manuel. Liz? Lynn Manuel Miranda. Not our country's finest actor, I will tell you. And that is the power of celebrity. The power of celebrity will turn you into a movie star, even if you are not good at acting. Um, so, Andrew Scott, phenomenal actor. A, an actress whose name I don't know playing um, a villainess of some kind. She's extraordinary. She has the most alluring overbite. Um, she plays evil so convincingly. She's very complicated. She plays the mother of the protagonist. Um, anyways, you know, I, I like magic. I like fantasy. It's something about worlds and the the windows between the worlds that only can open through magic and you know most people don't know of these multiple world anyways it's full magic i don't understand any of it i started on the second season and i won't go back and watch the first one i'm just moving forward only forward there's no going back although i am going to do a sort of vacation in October. And I, my plan is to um, do a Harry Potter marathon. And my other plan for that trip is to um, eat a crab or lobster. I'm not sure why. Um, okay, so there's those things. I'll, oh, wait, speaking of shellfish. My friend Andrew, not Andrew Scott, Andrew Wallace came for dinner last week and I prepared a famous dish that my Aunt Jane makes all the time, um, Otto Lange's shrimp bolognese that you, you can find the recipe for in the New York Times online. And it is a phenomenal dish. If you make it to the recipe, you will not be sorry. It's so, 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 so good. Aunt Jane made it on a weekly basis um, last summer when I was staying in Venice with her during pandemic. Um, there's sirens outside. Sirens. Sirens in Texas. Oh, there's some kind of shakeup going on. Anyways, um, shrimp bolognese. I prepared it um, for Andrew. And yum, yum, yum. We ate up, ate up the dinner. The following day, I thought, I don't feel great. I have some um, exceptional kind of heartburn or perhaps acid reflux. Also even like I felt as if my heart was inflamed, like it was beating out of my chest a little bit. And then I felt like it wasn't beating at all. It, I'm sure it was, but I just like, I had Harriet check for me. She she assured me it was beating, but I, I did feel like I might be having a death becomes her moment. 
for those of you who don't know about Death Becomes Her, there is, spoiler alert, a scene um, shortly after Meryl Streep takes a potion that promises immortality. She does, in fact, um, get killed by her husband, Bruce Willis, but because she's now in this immortal body, she becomes one of the living dead. And um, Bruce Willis takes her to the hospital, and um, she uh, she has no heartbeat. The doctor's completely confused. He is checking her broken wrist, which is all the all the way broken, but she can't feel any pain. It's a truly hysterical scene. Her temperature is like in the seventies or six. Anyways, it's so good. Please watch Death Becomes Her if you haven't seen it. You're crazy. You're crazy. Um, I met a new listener, or a listener tonight, who I didn't know was a listener named Vivian, who's a dancer in Ballet Austin. And Vivian, if you haven't seen Death Becomes Her, please, please watch it. Anyway, Shrimp Bolognese. So I started the day after Shrimp Bolognese to feel unwell a little bit. And so um, I tried figuring out what it might be. And I thought, well, I know, at least I had a faint recollection of the last time I had an allergy test. They said I was, um, one of my minor allergies was shrimp. And I said, oh, that's not true because I eat shrimp all the time and it's fine. And so two days later, I waited a day, didn't eat leftovers. Two days later, uh, the day in between, I felt good. Two days later, I ate leftovers. It happened again, right? So now I'm thinking, oh, I really, I'm having a reaction to the shrimp. It's not making me feel good. It's made me feel, in fact, bad. So I, I, um, I talked to Russell about it um, because I, went, I was over at Russell's place making cake donuts from Claire Safis' Dessert People video. They were absolutely delicious. I highly recommend. I'm going to highly recommend eating them. I'm going to say if you can get a friend to make them for you, do that. But I, I'm I'm not going to deep fry in my home because it really does create quite a smell. Um, anyways, I was at Russell's. We were talking about allergies. Russell's famously allergic to all shellfish and nuts, tree nuts. And he said, well, you know, he recalled me telling him years ago that I had a shrimp allergy that I didn't believe was true. And then, so he laughed at me when I told him that I think I might be allergic to shrimp. He said, yeah, you already told me that. I said, well, now it's true. He said, well, it might only be some shrimp. And I did in fact use a very large varietal of shrimp that I found at the um, seafood monger in the basement of Essex Market. So I think they were kind of a fancy large shrimp. So maybe it's just those shrimp I need to steer clear of. I will try a medium-sized shrimp in the near future and let you know if I am, in fact, um, allergic to all shrimp. I know you're all worried. I know you're worried. Um, but do make shrimp bolognese for yourself. It's absolutely delicious. And if you're at a liquor store between now and then, and you're, you're, you're going to want to hunt down something called Pernod which is an anise um, liquor, anise liqueur, anise something. I don't know about, I don't know about alcohol, but um, it is, it is um, in the recipe. 
I did not, in fact, find it at my local liquor store, and I so I didn't use it. And it, it the, I, the dish is, in fact, delicious without it. So, and I think Jane wasn't using it when she in her preparation either. So, don't worry too too much about the Pernod. But if you do use it, let me know if you if you um, feel it makes a difference or you can sense it in the flavor profile. Um. So. The big news, my really big news, is that I saw Shang, Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi? Shang-Chi. Uh, the new Marvel film. And I went with Zach Gonder, my Marvel companion. We went to see it in IMAX at Lowe's Lincoln Center Cinemas. And um, it was the greatest movie-going experience I've had in, in recent memory. It was so much fun to 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 watch a movie like that in IMAX, and it was and as Marvel movies go, excellent. I'm have to say it's my favorite one, but you know I can't remember all of them. But I loved it. I loved it. The choreography was beautiful. The fantasy of it was exceptional. The 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 strange creatures. There's um spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. There is a land called Talo where uh, Shang-Chi's mom or- originates. And um, in that land, they have strange animals, like sort of hybrid animals, you know, like um, like a horse bird fish, you know, like that kind of thing, which can really like go awry. But in this case, I thought they did an excellent job. And, you know, the the... The hybrid animal that factors in most compellingly as a character, I can't remember what their name is. It's like Carl or something. Is basically like a rectangle or a cube of fur, like an ottoman. It has legs and um, iridescent bird's wings or like iridescent, like Pegasus kind of wings. I mean, what an odd thing. No face, no eyes, no characteristics that could distinguish it of having any kind of personality. And yet, you'll fall in love with this creature. So much personality. And Ben Kingsley is the only person in the movie who does communicate with um, this Tuffet. Um, anyways, so I guess it's a little bit like Cousin It from from the Adams family, right? Cousin it is the is the um just hair, the cousin who's just hair. If you haven't seen the Adams family movies, the Barry Sonnenfeld movies with Angelica Houston and Raul Julia and Christopher Lloyd, Christina Ricci, um and others even, you must Go to your local Blockbuster, get The Addams Family, rent the sequel while you're at it, The Addams Family Values, which is also starring none other than Joan Cusack as the villain. You must. Also, in the second movie, Addams Family Values, the children are sent to summer camp where Christine Baranski and that guy from um, Ghostbusters 2 who works at the museum are, are the camp counselors. I don't know his name, but he, 
he was in Ghostbusters 2 and gets possessed by um, somebody. Is that true? Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. Is this true? I think it's true. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Rick Moranis was in Ghostbusters 1 as Sigourney Weaver's annoying neighbor who then gets possessed. But was Rick Moranis in Ghostbusters 2? I think Rick Moranis ends up marrying Annie Potts. I think. I could be super confused. I need to revisit Ghostbusters 2, to be honest, to be honest. Anyways, Shang-Chi, highly recommend, incredibly compelling family drama involving siblings and parents and magic and destiny and a fight for the future of mankind and dragons and Michelle Yeoh and martial arts choreography and beautiful, I'm going to say in quotation, cinematography, but I'm also like, what is, what is cinematography and what is CGI? You know, I guess it's, CGI does have to be cinematographed, what? Cinematographed. The shots have to be planned, people. The shots have to be planned. Um, so Shang-Chi, get your eyes on it. Uh, what else can I tell you? Cake donuts, absolutely delicious. Shrimp bolognese, absolutely delicious. Um, I'm headed back to New York Saturday. I now have some plans in the books to go see New York City Ballet. They started back this past... Oh, they started back... Um, what's today? What's today? Thursday. They started back on Tuesday, I do believe. So two days ago. Um, so I'm excited to go and see the New York City Ballet perform. And I'm going to one fall for dance program because my Petronio friends are performing. I'm not looking forward to going to city center, but I'm looking forward to seeing my friends dance. Um, you know, normally when I'm in these situations, I will take warm up class, company class with the ballet company, but it seems ill-advised in these COVID times in uh, the heartland in Texas. Um, so I'm not, I'm not doing class. Um, the fact that I did some swimming for exercise today feels monumental. I feel proud of myself. I'll try to do some swimming tomorrow, but hopefully at the, at the springs. It has a more specific name, but it's not with me. Again, it's not with me at the moment. Um, if you're ever in the Austin area and Ballet Austin's performing, please come and support them. Excellent and worthy company. Worthwhile. I had a fascinating conversation with one of the dancers in the company named James <clears throat> this evening as we sat in the grass and we discussed um, the culture of ballet and the constructions, the construction of ballet companies 
and also like the way that ballet education is constructed and the concept of turnout and it was really really engaging conversation and I hope that you know more dancers who are critical thinkers will start weighing in on how um how we can a of all stop prioritizing ballet and sort of falsely claiming it as you know the most important um pedagogy or fundamental technique because you know if if we're if we're thinking you know beyond just like European white colonialist imperialist forms etc we're 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 not only talking about ballet, you know, there's a lot of dance out there. Anyways, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going, I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to grad school you right now because I honestly like, I, I, I need more grad schooling myself. Um, anyways, let's just like keep thinking towards better things, towards alternatives, towards, um, always asking why just keep asking why if someone tells you there is only one fifth position ask yourself why you know seriously start asking yourself if you're in a college you know like why is ballet the one class I have to take every day you know and you know maybe someone has a reason that makes sense for that particular program, but also I would be surprised if their argument would hold up. So we're in an ever-shifting landscape and, you know, the future could be promising, right? Question mark? Anyways, enough of that, enough of that. More fun stuff, more fun stuff. Um, If any of you have questions, this week, obviously, there's no guest, so... Um, there's no guessing biography and I guess there's no surprise topic. Um, although all my topics were more or less surprise topics, at least they were to me. Um, I should have had, oh, if you feel like sending me surprise topics that you would like to hear in the future... I will at some point do them myself or propose them to guests, etc. Generally, my surprise topics with guests have some connection to my relationship to that person or to uh, something current in in their in their tra- trajectory. No, in their life. Um, I guess that's it. It's been 31 minutes. It's not a long one this week. I'm recording directly into the Anchor application because I'm just going to get it up. It's um, it's very nearly Friday, which is the day the podcast comes out. But as my my friends in Australia actually might know the exact moment the podcast comes out. But for those of us in Eastern Standard Time... It comes out at 3 a.m., um, although I'm not in Eastern Standard Time, so it's already Friday in New York, and it'll be Friday here in Austin in about 22 minutes, 
24 minutes, according to my iPad. Um, anyways, excited to see the show tomorrow. Excited to return to New York and archive this project into the binders. Get to work on the next thing. Please um, go to the Brishnikov Art Center website and watch the Conversation with Merce um, program that is streaming for free until September 30th with a suite of, or an event of dances by Merce Cunningham from Land Rover with Jacqueline Harris and Shalvar Montero from the Ailey Company, who are, I mean, beyond, absolutely beyond, um, followed by a duet choreographed by Liz Gehring called Dialogue, I think, that could be wrong, with the, again, astonishing uh, Mariah Anton and Semyon Barber, and then the third dance called Motor Rover, um, which I be- must be a play on Water Motor and Land Rover, right? Like bringing Trisha and Merce together a little, Kyle Abraham, uh, with um, C.J. Johnson and Donovan Reed. I mean, look, it doesn't get any better than this. These are an assemblage of six of the great working dancers in America. Great test. I'm using superlatives because it's true. And the pieces themselves are wonderful and it's filmed beautifully by Tatiana Tenenbaum. And um, yeah, please watch it. We costumed the whole thing and it was our great privilege to have it all come together like this. And we feel proud of the work we did on it and proud to just be involved in such a great little program. And it's not long, so don't worry about that. It's only like 30 or 40 minutes total. Um, have a wonderful Friday or whatever day it is that you happen to be listening to this. And next week, hopefully I'll be back with a guest. And, you know, I loves you. We loves you. I hope you're feeling some love for yourself. And um, goodbye.